This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. First of all, thanks very much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton. And Thank you. Thanks. When we last spoke at Wharton three years ago, uh, Snapdeal had 10 million users and you had called it a discovery platform for Indian consumers. Now, today's yeah. SoftBank's $627 million uh, investment in Snapdeal is the largest single investment in the history of Indian e-commerce. So can you take us through Snapdeal's journey over the past three years and how it led to this investment? Sure. So, you know, we've had an interesting journey, even getting to the point where we got to when we last spoke, uh, had taken many pivots along the way. We started as a coupon book business, then mobile coupons, discount cards, so on and so forth. And then Snapdeal had started as a deals platform, which we then started viewing it increasingly as a discovery platform. That was the phase of evolution we were in when we had met uh, three years ago. I think, uh, uh, so that was, I think, middle of, or towards the end of 2011. It was an interesting juncture in our business because uh, we started, uh, and, and that's why I must have articulated our business as a discovery platform rather than a deals platform, because we started feeling that the core deals platform was not necessarily going to be as large a business as we originally thought it to be. And we wanted to start, we had, we had started an early process of figuring out how do we expand the scope of our platform um, to enable consumers to get access to not only services or deals, but also potentially with products. A few months after we had met, uh, I'd gone to China actually December of 2011. And, and, in, and, and there we had met with many of the e-commerce companies including, uh, you know, spend some time with Alibaba, etc. And what we realized was that the really life-changing experiences that they had created for small businesses in India was something that we could do leveraging the platform we had with, with, you know, 10 million users then and a recognizable brand name, not as much as now, but still recognizable brand name. And we knew that if we attach a large products merchant marketplace, um, to the demand pipe we had, theoretically speaking, intent would meet availability and transactions would grow. And so we came back from China and literally in January uh, 2012, a little over two and a half years ago, we, we, we almost overnight changed our business model from being very services or uh, deals focused to only product focused marketplace. There's a very drastic shift and one that surprised many people, including our board, our management team, but it was the right thing for the company because we felt that using the demand pipe we had created, the platform we had created, and the brand trust we had created, we could probably um, uh, significantly move the needle for these product merchants. And at some level, it's a much we realize it's also a much larger space to go after and much bigger need to solve. Um, given suddenly you're you're catering to making a percentage of India's consumption, which is about 1.2, 1.3 trillion dollars, more efficient as compared to just catering to a small subset of it. Okay. So 
that's how we that that's where we were at um, in January. But we, at that point, our business was back to zero merchants, zero product, and uh, and a bunch of users. And so uh, it took a lot of work um, uh, since then. But our goal at that point in time was in five years, if we get to 20,000 merchants on our platform, it would be really successful. You know, uh, we were quite quite uh, blessed to have the team we have as a result. Now, fast forward two and a half years, we have over 50,000 merchants uh, doing you know, $3 billion of sales uh, through our platform, increasing at 600% year on year with over 30 million users now. Um, so, so things have evolved pretty significantly uh, since since we last spoke, and uh, and the business business has also changed quite significantly. So, a quick question on that: uh, uh, during your trip to China, uh, what happened to change your mind this drastically, and did it have anything to do with uh, a, a company called Alibaba? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot had to do with that because. We realized that structurally the same problem that Alibaba was solving in China was the problem that was needed to be solved in India, which is uh, bridge the gap between the very long tail of supply and the very long tail of demand. Given that only 5 to 7% of India's retail is organized and rest is really just small businesses, we wanted, but those small businesses only fell to their catchment areas. So we felt that technology was a great way to reduce the asymmetry of information that exists between demand and supply and enable these small business owners and the traders and the retailers to um, supply locally but sell nationally. And we would provide them the demand reach. We would provide them the logistics support, the customer support, the payment support, the analytics support to be successful uh, using a digital platform. Now, uh, interestingly, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sna- uh, SoftBank also happens to be one of the early investors in Alibaba and one of its biggest shareholders. Are there any lessons of Alibaba's experience that you think would be relevant to uh, SnapDeal? And what do you think uh, Indian e-commerce firms sure. can learn from China? Many things, actually. You know, I feel the Chinese market is about seven to eight years ahead of India. So it's almost like looking into a crystal ball. And I've spent a, and a tremendous amount of time educating myself and my team around how did the, how did the Chinese e-commerce uh, ecosystem evolve and what are our learnings, what are the differences between their ecosystem and ours, and hence how do we need to adapt our strategy for the Indian market. Um, you know, it's an inspiration, but it's not, uh, you know, we're not looking to do a copycat here. Um, we, there are many unique aspects of this industry, um, many unique aspects of consumers, many unique aspects of businesses uh, in India vis-a-vis China. But at a meta level, the problem that we are trying to solve is the same, which is bridging the gap between very fragmented supply and very fragmented demand. Uh, even with SoftBank, and I think that's why that partnership is, works and we decided to partner was because they have deep, deep belief, absolute deep belief that this is the right business model for markets like India, China, maybe Indonesia, and they made an investment there also in a similar business. And 
and and for us we wanted a partner who has deep belief in what we are doing because when we started building out our marketplace you know, all the e-commerce companies in india then and mostly now are still retailers with a website but they are buying and selling inventory and we said that look that's not really solving a problem you're just aggregating product and reselling it you're not bridging the bridging the gap between demand and supply necessarily and you're not uh, uh, you you're not making commerce happen commerce that otherwise wouldn't have happened where a lady sitting in uh, chennai can now order sarees made in surat at a great price delivered free of charge with free shipping to her house in in two days that commerce did not happen earlier that's what we want to change and the only way to do that is by uh, having the largest selection online from the largest number of sellers and if your goal is to offer infinite selection theoretically the only way you can do that is by not owning any of it understood now uh, what are some of the you, you mentioned that there are similarities and differences uh, between the chinese market and india what are some of the unique features of india's e-commerce uh, environment and what are some of the unique challenges sure so i think the uh, one of the differences in india is that the mobile or commerce over mobile is far ahead of the chinese market so we've leapfrogged amongst you know we leapfrog uh, telecom or fixed line phones we leapfrog so many other things in in, the, in our market they one of the key things we are leapfrogging right now is even uh, the device on which commerce happens so i think we are leapfrogging the whole pc commerce phase mm-hmm. in india mm-hmm. a pc based commerce where uh, 15 months ago 5% of our orders were over mobile phones now over 65% of our orders are over mobile phones mm-hmm. and china's a little behind on that because they have a pre-existing significant in install base of pcs so mm-hmm. a lot of orders there are still placed over uh, laptops etc so that's a that's something unique to the indian market and we saw that trend early and hence we invested pretty significantly behind that um early and and saw this you know we saw 3000% growth in absolute terms in the last 15 months on orders placed over mobile phones interesting Uh, what do you think of the indian government's policies on e-commerce uh, do uh, do they seem very clear to you and how does that impact the industry i think the government the, the policies are very clear um that there is no fti allowed in multi brand retail online or offline whereas we are really a technology company i don't even see ourselves as an e-commerce company we actually enable others to do e-commerce and 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 so Uh, we don't hold any inventory of our own we don't have any private labels so we're not really a merchant we're just a connector between the dots of demand and supply so the comp- and in that and there's no restriction uh, on foreign investment in technology businesses like ours uh, and and there is a restriction of investment in in um, in businesses that actually take title of the product etc so so uh, i think the policies are actually very clear uh, it's just that uh, you know whatever the policy is at any point in time there will be people who want to get it changed right now uh, uh, so if you uh, as you said uh, see yourselves more as a technology company uh, than as an e-commerce venture 
do you plan to offer any new products and services as you go along that direction? Yeah, absolutely. So we are making massive investments in technology. Much of the money we have raised, we are investing in grow, growing our technology base and infrastructure, both organically and, and inorganically. Within the next three months, we're going to acquire at least five companies, mostly for enhancing our core technology in various dimensions of recommendation, personalization, supply chain, payments, um, so on and so forth. So, so be financial services, etc. So we're seeing we're going to do a lot of work around along those lines. But um, uh, we're also right right now we have 500 engineers in the company. We're going to hire 1,000 more engineers over the next 12 months. Hmm. Uh, we are setting up various de- new development centers in Pune, Hyderabad, and Bangalore uh, to expand our base. Uh, in addition, you know, we are we're, um, we, what we've also been doing is launching many new categories, which are very unique to the Indian market and even at a global level. Like we launched, we launched real estate online, so people started buying apartments from Tata online on Snapdeal. Hmm. Uh, we launched. Uh, cars from Mahindra so that people can buy uh, Mahindra cars online. We, we started selling uh, cancer testing uh, as a service on Snapdeal, started selling gourmet food, etc. So our online education, all these categories are actually very unique and no one else was doing these in India. But our philosophy is if you can buy it offline, we should sell it online. Hmm. Because there, for every consumer who can buy something offline in India, there are at least a hundred who don't have access to that product or service, and that's the problem we want to solve. That that's really interesting. So, when you venture into categories like real estate or autos, do you see this as an experiment, or do you see that this this aspect of your business is going to expand and you will add more similar categories in the future? Absolutely, it's going to expand. Of course, we start everything tentatively with a in a in a pilot form. But so after Tata, we started. We just launched with Gotrich. They have a big real estate business now, and Gotrich Properties is going to start selling their apartments online. And there are many more in the pipeline. Um, same on the cars piece. There are many more car companies that are in the pipeline. Also, we've already been selling two wheelers from Hero um, and Mahindra in the past and very successfully so. So, um, you know, it's very important for us to keep innovating because uh, on, on every dimension, on supply chain, demand, um, on the supply side of width and depth of assortment, uniqueness of assortment, uh, redundancy of sellers at a skew level that uh, product never gets sold out and sellers compete in a healthy manner amongst themselves to provide consumers the best, best price for an iPhone 6, for instance. So it's very important for us to keep a vibrant ecosystem going and, and, and also have this perception of innovation in the consumer's mind. So that consumers keep feeling that, hey, I should keep checking out this site. There's something or the other that's going on here all the time and very, very critical in our kind of business. Right. Now, uh, uh, as you say, you have your, your goal is to you know, add more vendors and you already have you know, tens of thousands of vendors. So as the number of vendors on your site increases, do you face issues of getting visibility for all your vendors and how, how do you address that issue? Sure. It's a great question. It's actually a great question. So uh, two-pronged answer. One is um, it's a meritorious marketplace, a completely merit-driven driven marketplace. 
where all other things equal, if you have a great product at a great price and you ship fast and resolve customer queries fast, you will end up being more successful than the next guy, which is how the world of commerce anyways works even, the, even offline. Um, if you do a good job, you will become Walmart. If you don't do a good job, you will not. And, and we offer the same opportunities to every uh, small and big merchant. So we have guys who are operating from, or merchants who are operating from home also. You know, 30% of all our sellers are first-time women entrepreneurs. So many of them have just started companies out of their homes um, and are becoming very successful. On the other end of the spectrum, we have people like Tata Chroma, which is the largest electronics offline store in the country, also a large as a large merchant on our site. So, so it's a um, uh, if they if someone does a a great job, the hole in the wall guy can actually now successfully compete with with the largest retailers, offline retailers of the country. In a way, uh, our platform is enabling a great democratization of retail in the virtual world. Um, doesn't matter how big your store is anymore, or if you even have a store offline. That's one. Secondly, we we're now in the process of ramping up our, our advertising platform where sellers, small and large, can, if they would want to boost their sales, they can actually, similar to advertising on Google, they can advertise on Snapdeal. Uh, and as you know, 60% of all of Alibaba's revenues are actually through their, through their ad platform. Right. Now, if you, if you look at Alibaba and uh, as one possible model and eBay as uh, as another uh, which connects buyers and sellers. Uh, what do you think is closer to the Indian, what the Indian market needs? Sure. So Alibaba has multiple businesses. There's Taobao, there's Tmall. Um, our business and Taobao is more similar to eBay than, than is Tmall, mm-hmm. where eBay and Taobao are open marketplaces. Anyone can sell anything to anyone. Uh, whereas Tmall uh, or Taobao Mall is actually a, a more managed marketplace only for businesses to sell, screen businesses to sell to consumers. So our business model is like Tmall, and that's really the crown jewel of Alibaba. Um, because we feel that uh, open marketplaces sometimes have a challenge of uh, lack of trust, given it's hard to control who's selling. And the world is probably moving more and more towards managed marketplaces, and hence, um, our decision to pursue that business model. And that has worked really well for us because the consumer has a very predictable experience, very predictable catalog on the site uh, to choose from, and it doesn't seem like a random constellation of products uh, and an unpredictable assortment. You know, one of the very interesting developments in the Chinese e-commerce market has been the entry of some of these large e-commerce players into financial services and banking. Uh, is, yeah. is, is mobile banking something that Snapdeal might consider in the future? I think I think I have a deep interest in uh, in while well, I didn't take any financial services co- finance courses at Wharton, <laughs> I've developed a deep interest in, in financial <laughs> services. Uh, so I uh, I think look at the end of the day, we are a marketing distribution company leveraging technology to do the same and. The same problem that we are trying to solve for product merchants, small and large, uh, is the same problem we can solve for services merchants. And at the end of the day, you know, getting a loan or getting a credit card or 
or the likes is really no different from a service that you would otherwise buy offline. So we can probably make it more efficient online. So the quick answer is yes. I think there's a lot of interest we have, not only in that, but even in other other similar um, enabling services in the offline world that we feel we can bring a lot of efficiency to distribution through our platform. Great. Now, e-commerce in India is still seems to be seen as a loss leader business uh, with price determining yeah. where the buyer buys from. Now, given the discounts that competitors provide, how do you see the growth versus bottom line question evolving? So, you know, how are your vendors able to compete with all the price cuts? Sure. Um, so, actually, we don't, that's the interesting thing, right? We don't, that's the exact reason why we don't hold any inventory of our own, because we don't want to compete with our own merchants. That's why we don't do any private labels, because we don't want to compete against our brands either. Um, we want to be purely a platform. So, when we say we do, $3 billion of sales, that's actually sales of our merchants. We are not Snapdeal sales, we are just the conduit. Um, and and um, what happens in a marketplace like ours is the same product may be sold by 100 different sellers. And those 100 different sellers have different economics at which they buy their products from their suppliers. And they have different overheads. Some guy may say, hey, I want to make at least 5% on everything I sell. And some guy, some seller may say, I'm okay with making 50 rupees also because I don't have any overheads. I'm a single one-man show. And so they compete amongst themselves to drive down the prices. Of course, we do run promotions from time to time, but uh, it's largely a pricing is set by the sellers on our platform. And we would never, uh, irrespective of regulations changing, we would never hold inventory because we feel that's a sure shot way of uh, destroying trust in your seller ecosystem. Well, uh, so uh, Snapdeal has grown really fast. What are the main risks that you see in continuing with high growth? You know, all those risks are actually more organizational. Mm. Where you want to make sure that you're able to attract the right talent. You're able to upgrade the talent, either organically or inorganically, on an ongoing basis. And always constantly assessing that is your team... Uh, does your team have the right level of skills, readiness, experiences, and, and runway to support what needs to be done in the business as we move into higher orbits? So I would say most of the risk is always, at least as I see it, is more organizational because at the end of the day, we have no plants or machinery. Right? Our speed and sluggishness, success and failure, all a function of our people. And, and I think that'll always be, that will always be sort of the biggest risk, has always been and will always be the biggest risk for our business. And do you see the Indian market for talent improving in that regard? Or, or are you attracting, looking, sourcing talent globally? Okay, we're doing it globally. But the good thing is now, uh, given the, the stage of the business, the scale, the excitement, and the overall stature of the brand and the company, we don't, we don't have a hard time uh, at least having a conversation with, with anyone we want to bring on board. And they could be, you know, CEOs of fairly large established companies also who would be very open to taking senior roles in our company because they know that what today is 3 billion or 2 billion can tomorrow be 50 billion. And they want to be part of that journey because they also realize that these waves don't come every day. 
or every year and oftentimes in their lifetime they may only see a couple of such waves come and they want to be a part of that journey right uh, just a last couple of questions um sure. uh, the, the uh, long term success and sustainability depends on profitability uh, where does snapdeal stand on that and what's your strategy there sure so really we are a technology company and large part of our investments are going into technology both organic and inorganic and of course right now given the market is still young and we need to invest in building scale in the market uh, and increasing the size of the pie we need to invest in um, in our brand so largely the two areas of investment for us are really technology and our brand and we would want to continue doing that over the next couple of years and given our business model has significant operating leverage we feel that uh, you know uh, we feel less concerned about the path to profitability for for our company because it's a conscious decision for us to front load our investments in technology for now mm-hmm. do you have a sense of when you might uh, expect to be profitable i think uh, you know we have to play it a little bit by year mm-hmm. um, we have we have seven times the money we have spent till date since we started the company in the bank so it's not the fear is not will be run out of money um it's more the fear is always uh, are we investing enough for future growth in terms of building our uh, our our infrastructure so right now i'm just very focused on solving that as compared to you know uh, figuring out how can we start generating cash flows because I think if we build the right business with the right infrastructure and right technology and right brand and right people, that will eventually happen. Alibaba took many years to get to profitability. Once they got there, they started generating more profits than most companies in the world. Right. And one last question: Where do you want Snapdeal to be when we, if we talk again in another three years? You know, <laughs> it's a hard one. Um, <laughs> the more the bigger the business has become the more dynamic it has also become as has the space itself so um i think I, in 3 years i would love for the company to have changed lives of if today we've done that for 50000 businesses um i wish or i hope we're able to do that for many multiples of that number of small businesses um with a to and and be well on our way to change lives of 1 million businesses in India. Uh, Kunal, thanks so much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.